Good morning. As Mr. Al said a moment ago, we have a special service this morning. And as we, uh, the body of Christ, as we gather together to worship the Lord together, it's, a, it's an, an, an amazing opportunity we have to hear from a brother in Christ who has walked with the Lord and served the Lord for 80 years now. Earl Garrison turned 90 yesterday. Uh, and uh, you know that after there'll be a reception. But today, uh, we want to take an opportunity to hear the testimony from a brother who, for many generations, has walked with Christ and has been given and gleaned an amount of wisdom from God the Father that we want to allow him to share a testimony with us this morning to the glory of God. Some of you know Earl Garrison as Mr. Earl. Some know him as a friend. Others affectionately know him as Uncle Earl. And still others, if you don't know who I'm talking about yet, you know him as the Kissing Deacon. If you've met him, you've been kissed by him. This dear brother, it's part of his ministry is that he kisses you as he greets you. Uh, And so I want to invite Uncle Earl, if you would come up at this time, brother. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for this dear brother in the faith. Lord, we ask that now you would make our hearts sensitive to the testimony that he will share. We pray, Father, for our own hearts to be encouraged, to be strengthened. Lord, may his testimony serve as a catalyst for us in our service in your kingdom. And Lord, may we hear from him through the words that you have given him. May your anointing be upon him as he shares. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's see if this is convenient for them. Everybody make out who I am? Thank you. Pastor asked me to do this some time back, and I kind of refused to do this. But I got to thinking about it. I have been asked by many pastors to do things, and I never refused any of them. Oh, you can take it away from me? I was trying to hide. And I finally went to him and told him I would do it. And today has been the day chosen since I was had a birthday yesterday and got, a, got to be an old man. So he has, has to excuse me. I have two categories that I'd like to bring to your attention, and I've labeled them greeting and serving. And the first two involves two young ladies. I won't tell you who they are. You might figure out who they are, and they might admit who they are. That's up to them. But the first one happened one Sunday morning. Pastor had just gotten up to start his sermon, and as usual, I would go around and reduce the air conditioning just a little bit. 
course. Once you sit down, you need the air that you needed when you was up singing and so forth. And I saw this young lady sitting down here, and I was right over here by herself. Nobody near her. And I looked at her, and I couldn't recognize who she was. So I went on and did my little chore, and came back and, and walked up to her, and I said, are you a guest? She said, yes. I said, may I sit with you? And I sat down and stayed with her until after service. Then I told her who I was, and she told me who she was. And I said, I'd like for you to meet my wife and uh, maybe some others. So I took her and introduced her to my wife. And my wife was the one who'd ask questions, or she can ask them. Anyhow, she began to ask her questions and ask her where she's from and so forth and so on. And she said she moved down here from Chicago. And uh, where are you living now? Denham Springs. Well, that's where we live. Well, what a coincidence. I said, now, wait a minute. You came from Chicago, living in Denham Springs, and I hear you in Lee's little church over here in Baton Rouge. How did that happen? She said, well, my pastor told me. I said, your pastor in Chicago? She said, yes. I said, this is a small world indeed. <laughs> Anyhow, she became a good friend. She joined the church. She was already a Christian, and she moved her membership. She's a wonderful, wonderful young person. And we had the occasion to go out and visit with her. We went Monday to try to find out where she lived, because she'd given us the address. And we looked, and we looked, and we rode, and we rode, never did get through the whole area. So we decided to go home and come back the next day, which we did. We went back the next day, and we finally found a house that the uh, address was on it. So uh, I got out and went and knocked on the door. She opened the door and said, hey, come in, come in. So I missed my wife, come on in. So we went in and visited for a while, played with the little boy, had a wonderful time. And today, she has been a blessing in my life. She's still a member. She still comes. Every now and then, she has to work on Sunday. She's not here. Her husband is of a different place, but he comes with her quite often. And we have had the occasion to have lunch with her many times and with them. Sometimes, even since Lila has left me, I've had dinner with her. And they have meant so much to me. I'm just thankful that God used me for that occasion. And then... The following year, now this I remember, why I did this, I don't know, but anyway, I did. On March the 27th of 2011, why that's up here, I don't know. A young lady came to the church and sat down close to where I was at the time, and I saw her sitting over there, and she looked like a stranger, which she was. I got up and went over and asked her, I said, May I sit with you since I know you are visitors? She said, yeah. So I sat with her and told her who I was, and she told me who she was. And after church, I talked to her, and I said, now, if you'll come back next Sunday, I'll sit with you again. Oh, I was pleased to death to have the opportunity to sit with that young lady. <coughs> and both next Sunday, she came, said, I'll be back. Next Sunday came, and I met her. And I said, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I have duty in the nursery today. 
but I filled out a card, gave her my name and all kind of information, and uh, gave it to her. And I said, now, I'd like to see you after church. If you wait for me, she said, okay. And uh, after church was over and I got out of the nursery, she was over here waiting for me. And I asked her, I said, how did things go? She said, oh, wonderful. But guess what? I said, well, I have no idea what. She said, a young lady came in, went and sat down, and she was sitting by herself, and I was sitting by myself. And I got up and went and asked her if I could sit for her. And she said, yes. I said, well, that was very sweet of you. She said, I learned it from you. <laughs> and she is an outstanding young lady. She is my pride and joy. I, many times I've told her, and she knows it, and she'll admit it. I say, I think you're mine, but I know you're not. That's how much I thought you meant to me. And we are dear, dear friends, the both of us. Now, the next category is a little bit different. I've labeled it service. <coughs> Back when Crosspoint was a young church, our pastor left church one day to go to New Orleans. And uh, he came back with a package in his hand, walked in church and spoke to the young lady that was there, and I was told her, went on to his office with the package. Well, Saturday was deacon's meeting, and we met Saturday morning. Chairman of deacons took over the his part of the service, finished, turned it over to the pastor. And the pastor did some talking. Then he took this little package and said, I went to New Orleans this past, during this week and found something I think will be very useful to our church for its homebound. Well, we had no idea what it was. Well, he opened the bag and took out three little things. And he said, this is a kit to take the Lord's Supper to our members of the church who are homebound. And I'm giving it to the deacons, and I expect the deacons to use it. Well, it stayed around for a good while. And one, Sunday, one day I was at the church, and they had an elderly couple. When I met them, they were 90 years old, just my age. And uh, they were coming to church. But then they quit coming. I missed them. And I was at the church one day, and I said, I'm going to go by and see about the couple, which I did. So I went to the house and knocked on the door and heard the voice say, come in. Well, then I went. And uh, remember this name now when I tell you, because it's going to come back later on in the story. So I got to think of the name now. <laughs> I have loss of memory. I'm old. <laughs> Forget. Uh, I, I think I'm just a minute. I'm sorry, but I can't help it. It goes with life. You shouldn't have asked me. Uh, O'Neill. Bonnie and Wilma O'Neill. And uh, some of you may remember them. Anyhow, I got there and I went in and talked to him for a while. He said, wife, let me get my wife. I said, no, don't bother her. She's out there fooling with her flowers, probably. Evidently, she had to hear it. 
to the noise that we made anyway. Well, she came in, and I spoke to her and kissed her on the cheek, as my custom was, as you all well know. And uh, we talked and talked, and finally I said, the reason I'm here today, I, of course, I miss y'all, but uh, I think I have something that uh, I might be able to help you with. I'm looking for a guinea pig. And Ms. O'Neill said, you're looking for what? I said, I'm looking for somebody to, I can do something for, and I think y'all are the couple that I want to do something for. And I explained to him that our pastor had gone to New Orleans and came back with this little kit. And it was a kit to take the Lord's Supper to the homebound. And of course, they were glad to hear that. They said, by all means, please. So I arranged with them, and I said, now I'll come back. I think it was on a Wednesday, and I said, I'll come back Thursday with the young deacon about the six, 4 o'clock. That's the way that he gets off. And we'll have, have the Lord's Supper. Well, that day came, and he and I met at church, and I got all this stuff together, and we went to the house. And they received us very happily. Well, he'd already met him, too. He knew him because uh, he had been at the church. And we talked a while. Then finally, I said, now, we came here for a reason today, to bring the Lord's Supper to, to y'all. And I think it's about time for us to do it. So if y'all excuse me a few minutes, I'll go get the stuff from the kitchen, bring it together, and we'll come back and have a Lord's Supper. Well, which I did. And after I got back in there, I picked up my Bible. I read some scripture, I had a prayer, and we partook of the Lord's Supper. And I said, for some unknown reason, I have a little urge in my life to sing a little chorus. I sang many times when I was a youngster, and I've sang it sometimes later in life that we'd sing it. And the name of it is Every Day With Jesus. Well, they said, we know that. I said, we did. So the young other deacon didn't know it until the three of us sang that little chorus. I don't know how we sounded, but we sang it. And that became my signature. Everywhere I went to take the Lord's Supper, that was my ending for the Lord's Supper. And I took served the Lord's Supper, at least to everybody in our church, three times a year. And I did it for about three and a half years. And one time I was, we was going to a lady's house. It was pretty close to the church. It wasn't very far. And I just accidentally, I had never told the pastor about this, so I said, we're going to have the Lord's Supper with so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, it won't be long. If you can spare a little time, I'd love for you to go. He said, okay. And we went. Well, we had a good time. And came back, I guess, probably the next year, and I said, we're going back to the lady's house to have the Lord's Supper again, and I would like for you to do it, if you don't mind, if you'd go. He said, I'd be glad to. I said, you're her pastor, and I'd like for you to take, do it. I said, I'll do everything else, and you just do the Lord's Supper. So we did. Well, my years were getting up in age. My 60 years of being a deacon was 
drawing to a close, and I was beginning to have trouble. And I had to back down. And I got a young deacon, younger deacon, who had just retired, to take my place. Well, he did it a few times, and then he had to retire. And since then, there's nobody else that did it except for one time. One day I got a phone call. Now bear with me on this. I'm going to speak in two voices here, but it's all going to be my voice. I got this phone call, and I answered it. I said, hello. And he said, Mr. Garrison? I said, yes. I said, you don't know me, but I'm Ms. O'Neill's daughter. I said, whoa, how is she doing? He said, fine. That's the reason I'm calling you. He said, she's having her 95th birthday. I'm going to tell you just like I explained to her and she's explained to me. And I told her, Mama, you're having your 95th birthday, and I'll get you anything you want to have for your birthday. You name it. And I'll come back and you tell me what it is, and I'll go get it. Well, I went back in a couple of days, she said, Mama, you know what you want for your birthday? No, I haven't decided yet. I said, well, now your birthday is getting closer. You're going to have to decide. She said, I know. So she gave her a couple more days and went back. Mama, you know what you want for birthday? She said, yes. She said, what? The Lord's Supper. She said, Mama, there's no way you can get in the car and go to church and partake of the Lord's Supper. There's no way possible. Said, you can forget that. She told me, she said, if you call my church, you ask to get in touch with Earl Garrison, I'll have the Lord's Supper. She said, that's what this call is about. I said, when's the birthday? She told me the birthday. I said, we'll have the Lord's Supper on her birthday. Her birthday came around. I said, I'll bring my new pastor and a couple of deacons, and we'll have the Lord's Supper. She said, fine. So that day came around, and we went. And there was some other cars parked around, which I didn't expect. But anyhow, I had enough of the stuff to partake of the Lord's Supper. So we talked for a while, met everybody, and voiced around, enjoyed each other. And finally, I said, now, we came here for a purpose today. Today is Miss Wilma's 95th birthday. That's O'Neill. I said, now, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. I said, y'all keep on talking. And I'll go get the stuff ready. And when you come back, we'll partake of it. Well, I did. Came back in there, picked up my Bible, read some scripture, had some words to say, had a prayer. We partook of the Lord's Supper. I said, as my custom is, always, and Miss Wilma knows it, we sing the little chorus every day with Jesus. And I, y'all know it's drawn in the script. She and I are going to sing it. So I know my pastor don't know it, and the other deacons don't know it. So she and I started, but all the other elderly ladies began to sing lyrics, and we had a joyful time. But after the song was over with, I turned around and looked at her face. I never saw expression on my face in my life like I saw that day. Oh, God, what an expression. That was the happiest woman I believe I have ever seen in my life. Y'all excuse me, I'm sorry. But there was whole me. 
doing a service that I never thought I would do. But God has ways of doing things, and he did them through me. And I thank God for the many blessings that I've had in my church life, Crosspoint and other churches in my lifetime. It wasn't me. It was God through me. Live by that till the day I die, which won't be too long. I don't imagine. My wife is waiting for me, and I'll be glad to see her. Pastor, I think you have something to say. We can, we can praise God that he cares deeply about us. We can praise God that he looks and is concerned with every detail of our lives, that he continuously watches over us, that he's, he's patient with us. He's even patient with us to lead us through, uh, through difficult times. He's patient with, with us to lead us and to use us uh, through the midst of um, of physical difficulties and physical infirmities, even, even in our weakened physical bodies. He uses our lives for his glory. He uses our lives and he shapes us as a potter shapes the clay. So God shapes each of us and makes us fitting for service in his kingdom. And so the question that we can ask ourselves in hearing a testimony such as this today is, how might God use your life, my life, in small ways and big ways, how, how might we be faithful servants to the kingdom of God for God's glory? How would God use us, each one of us this morning, moving forward from today, how will he use us in his kingdom for his glory? These are questions that I hope we can ponder. And in a moment, I, I want to share from Psalm 92 just a few words to just bring some uh, bring some scriptural truth to our eyes as we as we seek to put this within uh, within context of what God does in the lives of his servants but we thank God for for our dear brother Earl Garrison and how he has been used by God and been faithful to serve the Lord uh, in all of his work all been God doing his work In a moment, we will sing the song that he has referenced this morning, uh, Every Day with Jesus, Sweeter Than the Day Before. Let me pray for you, brother. Thank you. God, we thank you for the encouragement that we as your children can glean from hearing the testimonies and the testimony of one who has walked faithfully with you. And Lord, while he's not certainly done everything right, he has been faithful to follow your lead and to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for the treasure of seeing and hearing of how you will use us for your goodness and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
I promise not to be long this morning, but if you will open up your copy of God's Word to Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15, you'll see that in the chairback Bible, it's on page 498. This is a tremendous psalm of praise by the people of God on the day that they gather for worship. As they gather into the temple to worship the Lord into God's sanctuary, they are full of praise. This is a psalm about God's people praising him for his glorious goodness and his sovereignty overall. And and my hope is that as we look at this text this morning, we might reflect on what we've heard through the lens of this text by asking and answering the question, what makes the community of saints different from the wickedness of the world? In this psalm, there is a contrast that the psalmist gives us between those who are righteous and those who are wicked. And in establishing or or giving us this contrast, there really are two poles then that we see in this text. The first one is that of the wicked. And so if you found your place in verse 12, I want to just begin reading from there. I'll invite you to go back later and read through this psalm, worshiping the Lord as you as you read through and just see the testimony of God's people as they gather for worship and how God works in their lives. But at at this point, let us begin reading in verse 12. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. There are these two poles that are contrasted. The first one being that of the one who is wicked. And the wicked that's described earlier in this psalm. It it really speaks of those who are evil as we might think of wicked. But even more than just being evil. It speaks of one who is a guilty offender. One who is ungodly in, in all of his or all of her ways. It speaks of one who is not able to come before God and be pronounced righteous because they are wicked. You know, we don't have to search very hard, very far, very long to understand this idea of wickedness as it is in our culture we can see the depravity within human nature as we, as we engage within culture, as we look, especially in this day and age. From abortion to human trafficking to the legalizing of marijuana to the explosion of the pornographic industry to lust and greed for power and a seeking after power by those in, in leadership in our land. Verses 6 and 7 really paint the picture well in this psalm. Verse 6 says, a senseless man has no knowledge of the great works of God. From creation to redemption, from salvation through sanctification to glorification. The senseless man, the wicked man, gives no thought to God as creator. He's not concerned in his life. She is not concerned in her life to look to God as the one who is sustainer and creator of life. He or she isn't inclined to praise the eternal God because they have no room in their life for any Lord except themselves. The wicked one thinks he or she shapes their own destiny. And in one way, the reality is they do. 
but not without consequence. Because verse 7 goes on to characterize the wicked, saying, when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. And what the psalmist is saying here is that though for a time the wicked seemed to flourish and, and shine and even blossom, in the end they suffer the wrath of God. Romans 3.23 speaks to this condition of man saying that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, pronouncing the nature of man, the sinfulness of man before, before God. And then Ephesians 2, 1, saying, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, this reality of wickedness and the depravity of man. The psalmist is contrasting the wicked and the righteous here. And so the wicked are those who are guilty offenders. They are the people who stand before God as condemned or guilty. They are ungodly. They are evil doers. But then there is the other side, the, the other portion of the contrast for the psalmist, that is the righteous and the righteous are just the opposite. The righteous are those who are right. Those who are blameless before God. Those who are innocent before God. And the question that we would then ask is, how does one become righteous? The answer we see in Paul's epistle to the Romans, in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, where he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, the righteous one stands innocent and blameless and right before God because of Christ. And so in verses 12 through 15, I want you to see four, four simple observations. Four simple observations about the righteous. The first one in verse 12, the righteous are established by God to endure forever. Verse 12. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. This is contrasted with, with the picture of the, the brief flourishing for a moment of the wicked, who verse 7 says, they sprout up like grass and through iniquity flourish for a season. But verse 12 describes the, the righteous as what? As a palm tree? As a cedar in Lebanon? The thing about these trees is that they're evergreens. They're stately. They're, they're enduring trees. They're trees that don't wither quickly. 
The palm tree flourishes with fruit because it has a deep taproot that goes down beneath the arid soil all the way down to the water table, and it gets its nourishment from deep within the soil. And so the picture is one of the righteous who who has a deep root that's rooted in God, that's rooted in His presence, that's rooted in, in relationship to the Father. The cedar tree, it's, it's fragrant as it, as it grows, it, it flourishes through harsh conditions. Many times cedar trees being found in places of snow and mountainous terrain. And instead of having a deep taproot, they, they spread their roots wide and they wrap themselves around, the roots around the rocks. And they have this grip and this hold so that they're, they're there firmly. The cedar tree, it's richly grained. It has richly grained wood. And these cedar trees, they're, they're thought to be, their wood is thought to be incorruptible. And the picture is together, these two trees offer us a, a fitting portrait of the righteous man or righteous woman. He or she is one who is fixed in place and, and endures even the harshest conditions in order to bear fruit and foliage. The righteous man and woman is known for their their fruitfulness and their fragrant life. And this is the picture of what we have what we've seen this morning through Uncle Earl in his testimony. The bearing of fruit in one's life, the fragrant life that impacts others. The second observation is the righteous recognize they recognize their place before God and express their dependence on God. Look in verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. In verse 4, we we get the picture. For you, O Lord, of the, the worshiper coming before God, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. This is the psalmist coming, the people of God coming to praise the Lord. They spend their days, the righteous spend their days enjoying God's presence and celebrating His eternal goodness. They're concerned with the works of God, with accomplishing all that God has called them to. They praise Him as Creator, as Sustainer, and as Savior. And get this. Because they are planted in the house of the Lord, their nourishment comes from being in the presence of God. Theirs are lives that give off an an effervescence of the goodness of God. Theirs are lives that, that bear rich, flourishing fruit to the glory of God. Is that what could be said about our lives, brothers and sisters? That our lives are about giving the fragrant effervescence of the Lord to all those who come in contact with us. And that our lives are about bearing this fruit for the glory of God. The third observation we see in this text is the righteous continuously bears the fruit of eternal life. In verse 14, they will still yield fruit in old age. I love this verse. They shall be full of sap and very green. It gives us insight into God's people, into the lives of his people, even in old age. Notice what he says. They still yield fruit in in old age. 
which by implication means they were yielding fruit then when they were in their youth as well. And the picture is one of a tree that has grown up in the presence of God that's righteous, one, one who has grown up to serve God, and one who stands firm in God's presence and bears fruit even in the midst of old age. It characterizes their life even in old age, for it says they're full of sap and very green. That means they're prosperous and they're fat. They're constantly aware of of God's leading so that they're characterized by fruit bearing in their lives. Psalm 71, 17 and 18 says, Oh God, you've taught me from my youth and I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I'm old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who come. See, from one generation to the next. The righteous are faithfully telling of God's wondrous deeds. We've witnessed the living illustration today as we've heard of Uncle Earl's sharing and what God has used him to do and how he's used him to impact others. Oh, the power that God can use you and I to, to, to impact others' lives as we are simply yielded and faithful. God would bear fruit through our lives, in the lives of others as the body of Christ. What fruit is being birthed through your life? What fruit is being birthed through my life? What fruit is being birthed through the congregation here at Cross Point? Believer, are you, are you continuously seeking and yielding to the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life so that we are engaging in mission with God as He tells us to go, as He tells us to reach out, as He tells us to, to speak, we speak? What makes the community of saints different from the wickedness of the world then? Well, that we're established by God to endure forever, that we as the righteous, those who are righteous, recognize their place before God and express their dependence on God, that the righteous continually bear fruit for eternal life, and finally, that the righteous trust in God's justice and salvation. As a community of faith, living out the gospel together, encouraging one another, serving one another, greeting one another in the Lord. We see that these God's people, the righteous, in verse 15, it says to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. For those who are righteous, trust in God's justice and in his salvation, they bear fruit in life worthy of eternal life. They bear fruit on behalf of the Lord God. They bear fruit unto eternal life, storing up the treasure in heaven, the reward of the saints in heaven, living for the glory of God. I pray this morning that as we've heard from Earl in the te- from Uncle Earl and the testimony he has shared, I pray that we have been encouraged and then challenged to be brothers and sisters in the faith 
who serve others, who want to be used by God for the glory of God to serve those whom we come in contact with, those who we walk with, and to point others to see the glory of God that we might impact others' lives as God has used one man to impact so many lives. May he use each of us to impact so many lives for his glory. I want to close us in prayer and then invite the worship team to come up and to lead us in our closing song. Let us pray. Father, you are worthy of all praise. Lord, may we be like this psalm describes, those who even in our old age still yield fruit so that our our sap is very green. And Lord, that we are filled with your glory and we are filled and consumed with the desire to worship you and to serve you in every way that we can. Lord, may you give us a grand vision of how we can serve your kingdom and walk with you and follow you. Thank you for our brother and how he has shared the tremendous testimony of how you have used him to impact so many. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.